Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. It is my great pleasure today to welcome Seth Ashby to the show. Welcome, Seth. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate you having me. Seth is the Senior Director of Worldwide Inside Sales at Sprinkler. That worldwide moniker has real cachet here because I'm going to miss a few of them, but Sprinkler has offices in Singapore, Dubai, Bangalore, Sydney, France, Germany, UK, and Brazil. I might have missed something in there, but we got most of them. Today, we're going to talk about what it's like to lead inside sales in a world where inside sales is now like inside the kitchen as opposed to inside an office. And we've touched a little bit on the topic, but I think Seth's scope of responsibility in all these different locales is kind of quite special. So we'll get into that in a moment. Seth, to get to know you, I ask a question that a lot of folks ask at the end, but I'm asking it right at the beginning, which is what is one of your favorite sales books of all time? And what's maybe a, a key takeaway you got from it? Sure. So the book that I really, has really stuck with me and actually all of my managers have read is Nonviolent Communications, which really teaches us a, a different way of understanding people's general needs and being empathetic which helps diffuse conflict, right? So you can imagine in the world of sales, there's conflict both externally and internally. Uh, So it just overall helps us have deeper relationships with customers, prospects, and peers. Obviously, before you were leading teams, you were selling. What were some instances of where conflict came up that you would have to apply these techniques? Yeah, so externally, uh, when I started selling, I was selling SMB products. Uh, selling social media managed services for a company formerly known as Main Street Hub. Uh, it was acquired by GoDaddy. And we were selling in, very much into the local market, right? So I was selling services on Facebook and Twitter to oftentimes mechanics in central United States. And a lot of them have never heard of the platforms we were talking about. So it became a, a source of conflict because they thought I was selling a very intangible and invaluable tool. Uh, so it helped me understand why they felt the way that they did about what we were doing and kind of flipped the script and did more of an educational sale from that. There's three modes, I guess, or maybe more that a buyer can go into, right? It's probably most of the time, I'm just not interested. They don't even open the door, even a crack, right? The second one is where they engage, but with skepticism. Why is this intangible thing of value to me? And then the most rare and the holy grail, I guess, of selling inside or field or what have you is that they are aware and interested, even if they didn't come inbound. I think you're right. And they behave very differently. So if you're selling for a company that's known, right, if they've heard of you, they're going to be skeptical, but they know they have to talk to you, right? If you're a smaller company that's unknown, you have to have a much different sale because they're always going to shut the door on you. And you have to provide value, right? You have to give to get. If they know who you are and and they're interested, that is the unicorn, right? But it does happen. You you just hit on a a very common theme that you hear about is this always be giving value, right? Give value in every interaction, which sounds great, but you know from personal experience, right? You're hiring inside salespeople. Some of them are tenured and experienced folks, but a lot of them are relatively newer to sales, right? Maybe they were SDRs who got promoted up into inside sales roles. For those people who are earlier in their careers, they don't have extreme subject matter expertise. How do you arm your sellers to actually give value in every interaction? 
there's three things that we do to make sure that we do that. First and foremost is we have a very, very comprehensive playbook. My sellers, we have five products that could be individual companies. So they have to be Swiss Army knives and they sell to every single vertical. So I have a touch point for them internally where they can go and they can do a little bit of research and they can share whether it be a blog post or a recent survey or even using our own technology to start a conversation with individuals, right? So they have something at their fingertips. Secondly, we do a lot of best practices. You opened up and you talked about the challenges of working from home when inside sales is typically in an office, sharing best practices. You lean to your left, you lean to your right, you go to the the water cooler, you get a cup of coffee, you have the ability to talk to somebody, right? But we don't do that now. So we really highlight all wins, little wins, right? Uh, Email replies, somebody having a positive phone call. So highlighting all wins and really touching on or what value they provided to that prospect to get the positive engagement, right? I'm not worried about opening opportunities or closing deals right now. It's all about small wins and what we use to help. The third thing is really on my team to do, my folks, it's their intellectual curiosity. It's allowing them the ability to not be over KPI them to the sense where they can't go out there and explore and really understand and truly know who their, their buyer is to provide the plethora of value that we have, whether it be internal or external. Well, you just opened the door on one of my favorite topics, which we interestingly have not talked a lot about on the podcast, which is KPIs. I'm curious about two things. One is your philosophy about what's in and what's out for KPIs for managing inside salespeople. Then what specific KPIs do you actually use? Sure. So my philosophy is we all know the inside sales, your quote unquote boiler room. But today, does that really work? Is that really something that we can do? Some people are going to say yes. And I really feel bad for the folks that have to go through that every day. And the, the boiler room KPI is basically like dials, right? 200 dials a day. Yeah, yeah. But who really cares how many calls somebody's making, right? Even in that philosophy, it's how much time are you spending connecting with prospects? How much time are you spending on the phone, right? So then you have your talk time KPIs. But that's not how I look at it at all. I KPI my team on net new cadences or outreaches. We sell in the enterprise space, right? So there are a finite amount of buyers, right? I can't just give them call down list because they'd run out of people to talk to in two weeks, right? Um, so we really have to be intelligent about how we're reaching out to people, who we're reaching out to, and again, back to providing value. So I KPI them on the amount of net new cadences and cadences, calls, emails. We do a lot of social selling, LinkedIn, uh, sending carrier pigeons if appropriate, right? So the whole, the whole gamut, it's give or take 50 new contacts per week. Yeah, it's really just about how many connections are building. So 50 new people added into a cadence per week, however they start that cadence. It might be social, it might be email, it might be direct mail, it might be carrier pigeon. Right, carrier pigeon, right, whatever it makes sense. You know who the buyers are. And people are like myself. If somebody was trying to sell me software, they could find this and understand what's important to me, right? So my team does the same thing and they're going to interact with that individual on the channel that they prefer to be communicated with them. Yeah. It is very often sort of different motion in selling to the enterprise versus selling to SMB. And now that you've sold to both, you know, in SMB, I've often find that uh, inside salespeople have to and especially if you have SDRs, like they have to spend more time qualifying the account 
Whereas an enterprise, like I'm curious, what do your folks qualify on? So we have really robust tools, right? We have five products we could probably sell individually. So our qualification process is not too in-depth because budget exists for one of our products that we're selling the values there. So it's finding pain and, and what we can do and the value that we can add and what part of our product we can do. But traditionally, in a lot of other places, there's really a sweet spot. If there's existing budget, you can figure it out. But it's understanding what projects are there. So it's not rushing to the EB. It's doing a lot of fact-finding, a lot of discovery calls with practitioners, understanding the pain, understanding what the executives have upcoming, and then positioning yourself to that project. Whereas, you know, what you're saying in SMB, you are spending a tremendous amount of time qualifying because you can spend, you know, a lot of these folks, you can really go very far down a sales cycle and you have someone's complete and utter interest and then you get to pricing, especially in that space. And they're like, nope, no value. I don't see the value here, right? Even if you're the best salesperson in the world. I presume when, you know, pre-COVID, you had these people on these different geos all in offices. And that's part of the magic of the success of inside sales, right? Is what you talked about earlier that you can turn to the left, turn to the right, everyone's together. How have you adjusted? It's been really difficult. And we have just a fantastic culture. It's infectious, Right. Uh, most of my team in the U.S. sits in Austin. And my happiest moments, honestly, not to be cliche here, are just walking in that office and seeing happy inside sellers because it's not an easy job. We all know that. You know, How do you replicate the culture virtually, but also, obviously, productivity that we need? So a couple of things that we have done is we've implemented daily heartbeat calls. The last thing I want to do is have my team wrapped up in, in more internal calls, but we found a lot of value in these. They're 15 minutes at the beginning of the day and 15 minutes at the end of the day. Sometimes in the beginning of the day, one of my teams, the XDR team, who's led by someone on the team, Emily Sparks, she does a newsroom. So every individual on the team, one person gives the weather, somebody has pop right? Somebody has what's relevant, but it's just a really cool way to, to start the day because that's kind of a natural conversation that would happen with them sitting around the table. And then at the end of the day, they get into you know KPIs, challenges, etc. So we're also doing a lot of lunch and learn calls, just sharing best practices. We talked about KPIs in my philosophy, but they still exist, right? It's a secret formula between personalization and repeatability. So you know we have been relying a lot more heavily on technology for you know call coaching as well as uh, you know in- investigating what messaging is being sent etc. Just to help coach, right? Just because we can't look over their shoulder and say, hey, you're doing a good job, right? We need to look a little bit differently. So I find that the further you get away, the more abstract the language gets. As a seller, I don't want to cringe at anything that I send. You know what I mean? Like I'm with you. I have an expression I tell everyone on my team, right? Is if you were sitting at a bar and you were having a beer and you struck up a conversation with a stranger to your left, would you say what you just sent via email? If the answer is yes, probably right. If the answer is no, please do not send that on behalf of Springer. It is an extreme challenge to hire an inside sales person right now. Not to hire, but to onboard them. Specifically, let's stay in the inside sales lens where we're talking about earlier in the career, where a lot of those interrelationship skills are built in the office, right? So it has been really, really, really challenging, uh, as well as you talked about 
onboarding time. Ramp time is a very near and dear metric to my heart, right? It's not just time to productivity, but inside sellers, if they don't see wins and positivity early on, they can become pretty demotivated quickly, which is the worst thing that you want. So what I'm trying to do now is hire in larger classes because they will go through that virtual onboarding with a group of individuals starting at the same time. So hopefully they can build some relationships that way and lean on each other a lot. So that's been good thus far, but they're going to be successful if they learn from those who are successful in the team already. I have seen, right, the earlier in their career people are, especially new college graduates, there's a facet of when they start as a seller or an SDR, of simply learning to work. I pulled every SDR who has ever worked for Salesforce. We pulled all the biographical data for them and where they came from, where they went to school, all these different things. And if you sort of grind all that together and I had to come up with a recommendation, even pre-COVID, right, for right profile, it was people who were recruiters with two years of experience. That's been my magic SDR hiring profile. Unfortunately, so many recruiters have lost their jobs. This is the perfect time to go pick those people up, actually. Yeah, and recruiters have an amazing work ethic. So I hire for three things, personally, right? The first thing is intellectual curiosity, as we talked about, right? The second thing is grit. It is an inside sales job. The KPIs may be a little bit more lenient than other places, but they exist. But the third thing is, is something that's intangible that you can't put your finger on. It's, I never hire somebody that's a mold of somebody else on the team. They have to have a unique trait that nobody else on the team has because that's going to drive a better, more collaborative culture, right? Because if you have too many of the same, you just drive unhealthy competition. I've really gotten into LinkedIn learning lately. And I was doing, um, you know, off the top of my head, I, I can't think of her name. It was a doctor and I was doing it. And she gave a lot of statistics that diverse teams, right, perform higher, right? And they do. And I think to my career as an individual contributor and as a leader, and I think about the more diverse my team is, the greater achievements we've gotten. So it just makes sense, right? Well, Seth, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. If people want to learn more about Sprinkler and maybe jobs on, you know, inside sales team working from the kitchen for, for the time being, uh, or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? SethAshby.com. It's got all my social on it. A-S-H-B-Y. If you're looking for a sales career or want to chat about how you get into sales or SaaS, I'm always open to have a conversation. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to go navigate over there right now and check that out. Thank you, Jeremy. Really appreciate your time. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.